Hello everyone, this is Raphael. I'm Warren. We're the Pacheco siblings, and welcome to the Hypercube Podcast. A talk show in which two siblings converse about anything and everything. Today we are joined by a very special guest. If you're coming from the Machinima Hub community, then he really needs no introduction. Uh, but for those who don't know, uh, Briger is the uh, mastermind behind the YouTube channel TSC Studios and one of the founders and moderators of the Machinima Hub community. So welcome, Briger, to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm not a mod anymore, but yeah, I was one of the ones. Oh, are you not anymore? One of the guys who created it. That's for sure. <laughs> ah, so still founder, <laughs> yes, not still mod. Yeah, it was time, time to let the other guys uh, take uh, control of that, and I am way too busy with other stuff. <laughs> that, is, that is fair. <laughs> That's mm. fair. That is fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, still. Anyways, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is that must be a really good feeling though to let something that you started go into other people's hands though and realize that it's got enough of I, its own legs. I feel legs. very bad for them. <laughs> it's a lot of responsibility. So, but uh, but they got it. They got it handled. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I guess I want to kind of, as I was talking with you a bit beforehand before we start rolling, uh, I did wa- kind of want to do, and I want to do more of this generally of doing like an artist profile type of thing and getting to know you as a creator a little bit more. Mm -hmm. First off, I just kind of want to get into because you've been running your channel for a good while now, and I'm kind of curious what kind of got you into what you do into creating for uh, an online audience in general, but you know, and machinima and all that. Uh, Do you recall what first got you interested in that sort of thing? Well, I was watching a lot of YouTube. I got into Minecraft, and uh, that got me into watching Minecraft videos, which then got me into mm. doing so Let's Plays and all sorts of stuff. I did that kind of stuff in the beginning. I never, <laughs> true, I, would, I was never directing and making machinimas and stuff like that. But um, it got to the point uh, where, I, okay, so when I was younger, I, I created this TSC story, right? When I was a kid. I used to play mm-hmm. around in the yard and blah, blah, blah. I came up with this big story that I somehow never let go of. <laughs> I continue working <laughs> on it to this day. And uh, so, yeah, I was working on uh, that, but like I I was never going to get like the book done or anything like that. I was never going to make it live action or anything like that. So yeah. I was looking at machinimas. <laughs> that was a thing. I can do mm-hmm. that. I can make it now, so why not just do that? So that's how I started making the TSC series, uh, was because that was going to be my way of telling the story. Right. The Shattered Crown. Mm-hmm. Yes, The Shattered Crown. Okay. So, yeah, that was, that was a while in the makings, from what I understand, even back when you were first doing that show. Like you said, that was like a childhood uh, story that was kind of stuck in your head. Like, how long... You reckon about that was between, you know, first conceiving of it and then first putting it to any sort of production. Nineteen years. Wow. I I made that video. I remember when we did the finale of the uh, TSC. I made a video to go along with it called the Nineteen Years or something, which wow, explains yeah, kind of how crazy. it came together. Yeah, that's crazy. And now it's even longer than that. Oh, man. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, now. I was eight yeah. years old when, uh, around the time when I came up with this stuff. And now I'm uh-huh. 30. So it, uh, oh, dang. So it's been a while. Yeah, a while. yeah, for sure. I mean, how old were you roundabouts then uh, when you first started doing the machinimation? Oh, God. Uh, the, it was 2015. That's uh, I think okay. that's when we were released it. Mm-hmm. So okay, gotcha. Because I remember I did the whole first season uh, ahead of time, and released them all in one like every week. Mm-hmm. Something I I mm-hmm. ditched for all the other seasons. So I would just release them whenever <laughs> I had the episode done because it took forever. Oh yeah, I imagine with the yeah the amount of production you're putting into it. Mm. So, yeah, The Shattered Crown, that was a huge passion project then for a long time. I guess de- decades long now. <laughs> yeah, it still is. Like, uh, it's gotten to the point where um, I used to have other machinimas. Uh, like, for example, um, Lauren helped me with um, Knights of Frost. That was a big mm-hmm. one I did right. in between yeah. projects. Uh, but now I have 
dedicated the whole channel only to TSC. There's no other uh, machinimas being made for that channel. It's mm-hmm. only for that universe. And uh, oh, wow. so, for example, the the new projects we're doing, the live action, the one thing I said I, I probably never do for TSC, I'm doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're finally gotten to the point where we can make the live action uh, TSC, and that will go on that channel, even though it's not a machinima, oh. but it's all dedicated yeah. to that universe. Yeah. That's cool. So that's really exciting. Yeah, getting to do a live action. Is it going to be like a, just a short film type of thing? Yeah, well, it's like the the script is about ten pages. Where the so it's relatively short, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm noticing mm-hmm. the it's becoming longer than I expected it to be <laughs> because the <laughs> yeah by just the first filming the first that. page we had was like five minutes. That's like half the pages. So mm-hmm. oh wow, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit then. How did that come about? Um, how did you realize that this was something you were you had the capability to do now and sort of what went into making that production happen? See, I never thought I had the capability to do it. Like, even now, I'm like, I'm surprised that, like I told you before we started, I'm surprised it looks decent. <laughs> because, like... <laughs> it does look really good. I, I didn't expect it to. Honestly. Yeah. For context, uh, he showed us an early screener of the rough cut as it is right now before we started recording. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we could confidently say it's actually shaping up pretty good. I was honestly surprised. Yeah. And this is just Mm -hmm. a shot. Well, it's me, my friend um, who also played the girl in the video. She is usually Mm -hmm. the cameraman. And then we have like two Mm -hmm. other actors. We have only started filming with uh, one of them today and the other one we're Mm going to try this weekend. And yeah, it's mostly been me and her. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's turning out pretty good. And it's been a lot of fun, dude. I, I, I've, I, I told the other guys this today too. Movie projects has been the only jobs where I'll be dead as sick and still want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I remember last production I was part of, like, I was so sick in the middle of the night and I refused to go home. <laughs> I, I am staying. <laughs> I'm being part of this production. Like, no other job or anything like that, I'll do that for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess uh, that's curious then. Uh, like, I, have you worked in, in like, film or film-adjacent industries in any other capacity? Yes. Or is that... Okay. So back in uh, yeah, yeah. 2011 or 10, I auditioned. Uh, like, I used to be in the music uh, industry, you could say, or, like, bands and stuff like that locally. Mm-hmm. I've been in a lot of those. But then, like, around 2010-11, it shifted because I joined this audition for this short film, which opened up the basically the movie world for me um, mm-hmm. in live action. So I got the main part in this movie called Restaurant. Um, and uh, with this director, I have done, like, uh, about three projects or so over the oh, last wow. few years. I done music video commercials, like it basically opened up my acting career. You could say, uh, we managed to fill up some theaters here, uh, which has been great. That was an experience, like seeing so many, like the whole hallway leading into the cinema was filled. That was a crazy experience, and uh, oh, that's wow. awesome. And then also the last big project I was uh, part of was because I had auditioned for another big movie in Norway earlier, and one of the uh, producers remembered me and then called me back up for this part in this true crime documentary, which was one of the biggest shows on um, national TV here a few years back. Mm. Because it's like it's a really um, intense um, crime that happened. It's still active, like several years after it happened, or many, many years. Mm. And they recently caught the guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, well, supposedly they think they caught the guy. And um, mm-hmm. the in this series, this was long before they had uh, any solid evidence on anyone. And there were like three suspects, and I played one of them. Oh, wow. And then this guy. Uh, gets caught. <laughs> the guy I played. <laughs> and then suddenly I get some phone calls. We're filming again. <laughs> so I'm excited to wow. see when the next one um, 
uh, comes out. Whoa, that is. Yeah. You're a big shot. We don't we don't know where it's uh, releasing yet, even. That's crazy. That's crazy. So yeah, this is the kind of stuff that I didn't know about just from my limited experience with you. Is yeah, so you do actually have some experience outside of the YouTube world in this industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's 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 fascinating. And I was wondering that as well, because just by like looking at it and looking at the quality of how your live action project was turning out for, you know, for basically a first attempt at directing live action, I was like, it's surprisingly solid. And mm -hmm. I was thinking not everybody makes that transition from going from, you know, a sort of digital digital medium like machinima, which is like purely, you know, purely digital in a sense to live action that well but yeah i figured you must have had some sort of outside film experience and knowledge to be able to do that oh uh, yeah i helped the, the 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 big short film that we did the one that filled the cinema mm -hmm. stuff so we i helped produce that one so i was like a no. real big part of like the writing place i didn't write it but i helped the writer mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. i helped get him stuff and like doing the normal producer stuff and also yeah. acting in it, um, mm -hmm. which was a big passion project for us, um, which the, that taught me a lot of how the actual production of a live action uh, amateur yeah, project yeah. would uh, function uh, and how the director works and all that stuff. But yeah, I, so is that short film more like indie scale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's local. Uh, but like mm -hmm. we we can it has been to some film festivals that's why it annoys the living yeah out of me because like we we can't see them online because they've been to festivals. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the festival controls when. Yeah, I'm that, hoping yeah. one day they can release them fast. because uh, I'm really proud of some of that work. But anyways, yeah. I would say what has actually more than those projects. I would say, um. Machinimas actually did help me uh, learn how to direct because, like, uh, I'm setting up this, this very similar shots as I do in like the machinimas. Uh, yeah. I go mm -hmm. for the same kind of mentality. Um, I think the only thing I'd learned from the live action projects that I definitely take it on to here is how to treat the people on set because those are people that are going to have to be patient with you. And like be there and like actually give an effort. Mm -hmm. That's different from the machinima uh, making mm -hmm. yeah. process because yeah. they can go whenever they're, they're <laughs> they there. just do the thing. <laughs> yeah, or maybe they're not even there. So <laughs> yeah, uh, it's really about taking care of the people that are part of the project and showing the appreciation and um, yeah, uh, being a bit humble. I think, mm -hmm. especially when you're at like a, a that really really indie scale with like zero budget. Yeah. And yeah. A lot of people are there on volunteer time. Yeah, really reliant on the people. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. And I was going to say, I was really happy that you said that, too, because this is something that Lauren and I often talk about and are adamant about, you know, when it comes to younger creatives getting into the field these days and just how accessible a lot of things are. And maybe, Lauren, you can elaborate on this point a little bit extra. But what I was going to say was, like when you were saying it's familiar and machinima taught you a lot about the directing side such that when you get to the live action set you're applying a lot of the same principles and that's very much true in my experience i mean a lot of my essentially formative film experience was with um was with machinima even though i do more live action than machinima these days however um yeah like on my early channel not the one that we're currently doing with p cubed but the channel that i had before that you know, I remember doing machinimas for that, and that was really my earliest experience with learning how to direct something cinematic for the purposes of storytelling. And that knowledge was extremely transferable. It's like almost some of the best film boot camp that you can get in terms of learning the principles and learning what you need to to assemble a cut. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah, it's awesome. And what's great about machinima is that it gives people easy access to that sort of experience because like everybody has a video game you know yeah. that you could probably machinimate in and if you're using minecraft all the more right minecraft is so open-ended and there's so many tools to facilitate machinimas nowadays like mm -hmm. blockbuster and aperture and whatnot um so and that stuff is i i think i would highly recommend that to any uh younger person who's trying to get into the filmmaking world because that is 
an arena in which you can experiment and learn yeah. principles and just learn the craft before you get out there and do anything a lot more a lot more risky and that requires a lot more of a commitment it's exactly. like this playground where you could start learning honestly film yeah. school should uh, honestly just take in machinima making <laughs> <laughs> really because what better platform to fail in exactly you know any kind of real-time filmmaking or anything that's like safe and quick and that'll allow you to play with camera lighting blocking anything like that where you could set up start shooting and you don't have to worry about turnover time and actors sitting around waiting in the cold where you just have to you just set everything up you can shoot it and go you know what actually that didn't work in the edit maybe i can try it again and then immediately go and fix it I do, I do think we mm. did get some experience though from uh, back in the day when we used the uh, body actors. Yeah. <laughs> because that is kind yeah, of sure. like it is in live action when you exactly uh, ask yeah. them to sit around waiting for you to tell them to nod their heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they nod yeah, for oh five goodness. seconds, and then they're like, "Okay, now we're gonna set up the next one." <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm glad I got that experience as well. That's definitely yeah. You and I are both are old enough to remember the days. Yeah. yeah. Um. And yeah, not everybody, not everybody in the Machinima world has to experience that oh, anymore. They're so privileged but that nowadays certainly... with their blockbusters. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah, all these spoiled yeah. Machinimator kids. Mm -hmm. Just they don't they don't they know don't how know. good they have it. The struggle <laughs> of body acting. Remember when you used to have friends to make Machinima? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! We did get yeah. some good uh, then, bloopers uh, from those days. I, oh I, yeah, um, of course. Those oh, are some, yeah, for sure. I almost enjoy watching those more now. The TSC bloopers over the like the actual <laughs> mm -hmm. thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm almost sad. Like with Edenith, the first season of Edenith, which was like maybe seventy five percent. I could say mm -hmm. the first season of Edenith now, now that there's a second one coming up. That's crazy. <laughs> but um, that was like maybe 75% shot with body actors before we discovered Blockbuster in its infancy towards mm -hmm. the latter end of the production. And there were so many hilarious and memorable moments. I'm almost sad that we don't have a record of a lot of them. Some of them we yeah. do. Like we uploaded the Mankini one <laughs> uh, where our friend Joe <laughs> came in with that ridiculous skin. Um, but there... Yeah, I mean, I really, I guess a lot of the memories that I'm thinking of were just like hijinks that Joe got up to on set. Yeah, <laughs> there was so many funny, like that one time where he just found the command block button and hit it at the Battle of Arcturus and summoned a buttload of ghasts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like those uh, little things when um, they have to wait around and then they suddenly come up with some. Mm sneakiness to yeah. <laughs> mess around some with hijinks. because they're bored or something like that. That's when some other yep. funny stuff sh shows up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, I guess, uh, I guess to get back to the subject of your sort of filmography then again here. Okay. Um, so going, uh, going through TSC, now the original TSC show was so long ago at this point and you've done so much in that world since yeah. through short films and through so all sorts of things and obviously with blockbuster and uh all these advancements that have been made to it and that have been made to machinimation on minecraft in general you've i mean it's almost night and day looking at the latest stuff you're doing compared to where it all began yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> yeah and it's like it's so it's basically animation now yeah it's basically exactly it's basically animation now and it was it's like you look back at the early seasons like those were so crude by comparison mm -hmm. yeah and not to mention you've you've gotten so much better as a director and as an editor and all that you know ever ever since so it's like I, I'm, I'm curious because this is something that's uh i guess we don't uh often I think talk about often enough as artists is what's it like moving forward from that for you? Like, is it hard to look back at that old stuff, especially knowing now how much better it could be? Or are you just like interested in just nose to the grindstone, you know, keep pumping out new stuff and just making it better each time? Or do you ever like look back or wish you could do anything different? I mean, obviously you always wish you could do stuff over, but yeah, so, I'm curious how, what your perspective is like. Okay. So uh, I love this show. I, I can't, it has a special place in my heart, 
but we have already started to like kind of like soft retcon some stuff from it. Mm-hmm. Um, like back when the show was made, that was the only thing TSC was. Yeah. Uh, mm. There was no other thing around. No, there was some history be- before it, but there was nothing beyond it um, or a side of it or anything like that. So mm-hmm. when we finished it, uh, we started uh, working on a spin-off of one of the characters called Rebecca. And uh, that was only supposed to be one like history video of her which turned into like a trilogy of her and she <laughs> somehow became like a front figure of this universe when she never was intended to be. It's just that uh, people knew more of her now than this actual series itself. And that spun off into like the tribunal storyline. Uh, so once we were done with Rebecca, we started working on the tribunal stuff. And that uh, made us like jump uh, before the series to set up the tribunal and then after the the series because we want we really wanted to show how this world was affected after the shadow crown war um so we saw the aftermath in a lot of locations and the people and i love seeing an expanded world i love that in uh, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. Um, I, I was really inspired by Avatar. I, I know a lot of people don't uh, like Legend of Korra, but uh, I I really do <laughs> because yeah. I love seeing that world expanded <laughs> and uh, similar shows like that. Oh, you're in good company here. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because that, yeah, that, sure. that, I know, that inspired me a I, lot. I know a lot of people. Yeah, don't like it, mm-hmm. but it's like, uh, and I I, I I think I get why, but it's yeah. also just for me. There's so many good things in that show, mm-hmm. not least the animation, yeah. just as like an animation oh, yeah. just... uh, fanatic, like the animation quality is so, so much better yeah. by comparison. It's just straight up better. Yeah, just straight up better by comparison to its predecessor series. Like there's no comparison. It's like night and day. I've always said that um, if TC was ever made into an animated show, that's the look that's how it should that's be. the style yes. yeah that that or castlevania oh. but it's like similar so oh yeah yeah, yeah. pretty similar yeah. i guess it has a bit of a different aesthetic yeah. but yeah I love the animation in castlevania too i prefer to go forward i like to do new stuff uh really and the times mm-hmm. i have gone back was for example in the movie d8 that takes place right. exactly at the opening of the show from a different perspective. So I kind of mm-hmm. got to do some of that again. Um, but yeah, again, from a different perspective this time. Uh, mm-hmm. The same with Lathane, because that also t- took place around the beginning of the series. So uh, that's where the, like, the soft retcon stuff kind of came from. But mm-hmm. I have been wanting to redo the story of c- this show. Um, but mm-hmm. I think the way I'm going to do it is eventually when I have more time, I'm going to mm-hmm. write that book. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to do it. It's going to happen. And that's when, uh, I'm going to make more the, this is the version. This is the, what happened kind of. Yeah. Right. The official yeah. canon essentially. Because I don't think I'm going to go back and make a whole series again. That's right. That would be too much for me, especially with the plans I have going forward mm-hmm. uh, so it's yeah. like doing it as a novel as a uh a work of literature is that something that's sort of been on your mind for a while is that something you've always wanted to do that was always the intention for the show or like the story okay. then i just made it a machinima because i couldn't make it a book <laughs> but i think mm-hmm. uh, if i get help i'll uh, manage to get a written form of it no matter how mm-hmm. it ends up being if it's a book or something similar I think that answered the question, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah okay. for sure. Yeah, and I'll say as well, you know, you and I, we, well, we, I guess between the three of us, we collaborate every once in a while in little ways. Mm-hmm. I will say some of the stuff you've been mentioning is kind of bringing me back because I got to work on a little bit of it uh, as an actor, which uh, I don't do too much voice acting, mm-hmm. especially not nowadays uh, where my time is so limited. Blast. But uh, I will say, yeah, like, you know, doing the brief parts as King Lamarck and the whole 
throughout the whole Lethane storyline, or at least a part of it, that was that honestly was probably one of the more rewarding acting experiences for me. Oh, that's nice to hear. Especially, yeah, especially doing the eight. Um, that was that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even though that one's like kind of brief, and well, I'm not going to spoil anything for those who might <laughs> I not have seen what it. We'll link it. We'll link it in the show notes for sure. But my character does not have a good time. I'll just say that. <laughs> no, no. But it was such a rewarding experience, and getting to take that character on, however brief a journey it may have been, you know, wasn't incredibly. Uh, Central didn't have a whole lot of lines, but he was an important character, and I got to take him on a little bit of a journey, and then concluding that with uh, his final appearance in the eight, and that was just that was just such a fun thing to work on, especially because that was the one uh, sort of time I had to kind of uh, record with Scuffle in mm-hmm. the same session. Um, <laughs> yeah. Besides, like the opportunities I've had to direct her, of course, yeah. but as an actor. And she is just such a phenomenal scene partner, and it is just incredible, incredible energy oh, yeah. to she be has come so far. in the booth, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, really, I, I kind of, at least to my mind, I kind of credit Scuffle's meteoric rise to stardom in the Machinima Hub community to you and the Lathane uh sort of i mean she she made that films. character so special like that character already existed but she made that character so hers in a, mm-hmm. in oh, a yeah. very yeah, special way that, that i don't think anyone else could have done honestly yeah and now she's freaking everywhere yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she is doing good i'm very proud of her oh yeah her and uh also tarquin is doing amazing i don't know if you guys have gotten to work with him yet but he's uh Talent. I have not gotten to work with Tarquin. He, is he the one that played? Um, he played Leo uh, in his... um, the new uh, Crimes of Valorian. Okay, did, that right. Apple directed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't gotten the chance to work with him. I've gotten the privilege to direct Scuffle a number of times now. Mm-hmm. Uh, most recently on the Den of Chronicles season two. I'm just gonna plug it here. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> you could hear her voice a bit in the teaser trailer. Um, but. I am so stoked for her character in Edenith. Like, it's not even, it's not even funny. Actually, it is funny. It's hilarious. You'll see, you guys will see. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, her character uh, is phenomenal. And her chemistry with Rose's character is just great. And I'm so happy we got them to record together for the entirety of the show. Because <laughs> just, yeah, the sheer the sheer energy of that dynamic mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. And uh, well, I'm already getting uh, ludicrous amounts of outtakes out of them. And uh, <laughs> little the scenes. There was some real, real chemistry going on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They bonded hard. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys voicing in it? Uh, we are a bit by necessity. Yeah, okay. by, necessity, by necessity, basically. Because yeah, I was gonna say, like, major roles. you two have uh, really become my go-to. Like, uh, we need somebody. I go to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've dragged you guys into Aww. so many projects now. <laughs> oh, well, that's flattering. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could say yes more. Honestly, <laughs> have, wait, have I you said? Enjoy. Have you said no to me? I don't think you have ever. Uh, yes, I have. You have? Uh, on the most recent time you asked, I had to, because I was like, because uh, more recently I've taken on the position that I'm like not taking on unpaid acting jobs because I just have not had the time. Like, it's ridiculous. Life has been a whirlwind lately, and now I'm kind of living on my own for the first time, and just everything's, oh, so much time has gone out the window. But... Okay, yeah, but, unfortunately, I just have not had the opportunity to be able to take on a lot of acting. The only acting I'm still doing is obviously, obviously, if anyone offered me paid roles, then, you know, I would do I would make the time for that. But, you know, since I'm not really searching for it, uh, I don't really see that happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the only thing I'm still just finishing is um, for on Slightly Insulting, they're doing the other uh, big sort of. Uh, superhero universe i play steve and oh, yeah that's right because i'd already i'd already committed to that i was like yeah i could see that through to at least finish the storyline that they set me on there didn't i drag um, you into that too but that's about it i think you might have <laughs> I, I don't think remember I if you were the connection for that because i remember <laughs> yeah. him needing like a replacement for steve i'm like i know some people <laughs> <laughs> yeah honestly that has been a surprising amount of fun as well again getting yeah, you did to really good play any sort of character yeah, over a long run. Mm-hmm. So, and I was the yeah, villain in yeah. that one. 
<gasps> oh yeah, that's right. You were. I, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, we're both in that. Just it's weird that we're both in that mm-hmm. as actors. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like like most people it's just think funny of us how as this like, like machinima yeah. web kind of uh, yeah <laughs> yeah leads us. Like in here, we're directing that person, but in this one, we're voicing <laughs> together. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is weird. Yes. Man, what a community. Yes, I love that's it. what that's what's kind of excited about the whole thing. Um, I mean, the Mishima Hub community has really taken on a life of its own. Oh yes, and there's just so many mutual connections and so many collaborations, then so many people that are just trading hands. It's it's really awesome. I guess can you uh, do you think you could share a little bit about what led to the creation of the Machinima Hub? Because it's been around for a good few years now. I don't know too much about its origin story. Like, was that just something that you and some of the others who uh, uh, founded it, like, was that like some big epiphany? Was it a big moment? Or did you just say, hey, something like this should exist? Um, well, so uh, it was around the time we were finishing off uh, the finale of TSC. And I was getting to know more Machinima creators, uh, for example, uh, Ray from Slightly Insulting and you guys and so forth. And there was this other guy who had like a Twitter where he used to share Machinimas all the time. Mm-hmm. And we were like, there should be a Discord of something like this. So we got together the few creators that we knew and we like uh, created the Discord. And uh, the general rule was that it was going to be community led. Mm-hmm. So we would like always generally like ask questions, is this what people want, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we tried to make it a uh, general machinima, but seeing how we were so many Minecraft machinima creators, it kind of um, overtook. And it's been really hard for um, creators of other platforms to kind of feel welcomed. Not that they're not welcome, it's just that they feel out of place mm-hmm. a lot of the time, which is, uh, I don't know, unfortunate. Yeah, um, yeah, something's still being worked on. Yeah, but um, yeah, we would need uh, like a bunch of them to join at the same time or something uh, for that to happen. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, uh, I am very proud of it because like generally these types of communities, they can easily die out. Uh, over time, mm-hmm. at least, but it's still going. It's maybe not the most active, like chatting community, but it's still being. Um, uh, they're having the community showcase videos. Uh, mm-hmm. they're having mm-hmm. the awards. Uh, they're having um, the 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 key machinimas are kept getting shared auditions, mm-hmm. promo. Like it's still stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and. I'll say, you know, just to put this here on the podcast too, we'll definitely link the Discord in the show notes also. But the, uh, the, yeah, the Machinima Hub community, if you're into Minecraft Machinima at all, or you want to get into it, or you're creating in it, then I would highly recommend the Machinima Hub community because it is just a wonderful resource and a great networking tool to kind of get you, get you started. Um, because you have access there to all sorts of people. You know, there are actors looking for work, um, you know, builders, artists. There's also uh, resources. And like, yeah, resources that you can use, skin packs, things like that. Yeah. yeah, it is just, it's a it's a great resource if you're in the Minecraft Machinima world. I think it's the place to be if you're in the <laughs> yeah. Machinima world. <laughs> it's like an advertisement now. It's like this is the place. I'm not even a mod anymore, but I, 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 I actually <laughs> genuinely think that I, I do think it, if you're working on Minecraft machinimas, you should be there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a very, very helpful resource. So I actually wanted to ask you, uh, Briger, as a individual, how would you, I guess, describe yourself as a creator? Are you more on the like? Would you say you're more talent or as a director, creator? type of thing because like you started as talent you said doing like live action commercials and stuff like that would you say you're more of an actor or more of a director like in terms of your creative identity i mean i started as like the actor in like live action and stuff like that uh but like i feel like in the machinima community i've been more director than actor Mm -hmm. like i've tried to do more acting uh, because I want to get better uh, with my accent and everything. I guess here's a uh, another uh, sort of 
elaboration is do you have one you prefer do you mm, enjoy yes. one more than the other if i had to oh that's a hard one now though <laughs> oh god okay because uh there's that feeling of when you're like deep into like an acting role that mm. is so uh therapeutic i'd say and it feels so nice when you have done like some very intense stuff mm-hmm. but um i love because when you're a director you're basically the the kid in the sandbox <laughs> that is when you do the painting of like the bigger picture i love seeing yeah. things come together so i'd say acting wise it's more emotional while director wise it's more fulfilling mm-hmm. yeah mm, i like that mm-hmm. yeah yeah and they both kind of have your their strengths for you then mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> the, 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 I, it's hard to pick one especially when they're <laughs> yeah. like they're, they they fulfill me in different ways yeah yeah for sure that's really cool yeah there's like there's different there's different places where you feel more fulfilled in one role or another. Yeah. I think that answers yeah. the good questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what about you guys? For sure. You guys also tend to do a bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. For me, certainly, I will say this. Um, I, even though I have done some acting, uh, I don't think I ever would have gone into doing any sort of acting work if it wasn't at first by necessity. Because, you know, I was just like a lonely kid that was getting into doing online videos that I first started lending my voice to my own projects because I just didn't have uh, many contacts or people that, you know, I could I could bring on as actors. So that's where I sort of first started. But then, you know, I just sort of by necessity had to develop some of the skills that were necessary in order to do that well. Um, But if I had my choice, I would always much rather be behind the camera than in front of it to be honest. Um, that's just sort of where I am. And for me, I would say primarily, I've always identified myself as a writer because that's what I've been doing my entire life, essentially. For as long as I've known how to write, I have been writing. Um, and, you know, filmmaking for me as a director is just an extension of that. So it's just, it's just writing with a camera at that point mm-hmm. or writing, you know, with, with, uh, with actors, with performers or writing with the broad brush of any sort of craft that goes into it. I was going to say, like, do you, do, you, do you see yourself as, like, a do you prefer cameraman work, directing, or uh, I guess the, you said the writing, right? Like, the writing is your preferred one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, writing is definitely uh, my, my most comfortable state. Um, that's what I enjoy most, because, again, that's what I've been doing the longest. So you consider yourself a writer? More so than any of the other ones? Yeah, I would say primarily I consider myself a writer. I mean, I still would consider myself a general filmmaker as well. But Mm -hmm. again, to me, I always sort of seen that as like an extension of my original creative love, which was writing. Um, But I don't know, Lauren, I don't know if I could speak for you. What Mm -hmm. would you say? How would you color yourself? Because you have done a lot more talent side than I have. Yeah, I have done quite a bit more acting than you have. But it's, it's difficult for me because I also like the... Uh, directorial side of the creative life of being able to see the big picture, putting everything together, organizing everything, and then seeing it all come together at the end. I love that. But I also love just like not having any of that responsibility and still being part of something creative. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the problem is like, I don't really like being, I, I, I do like talent. Um, I'm just not that good at like dramatic acting. Uh, like, I don't know how to explain it, but like, I, I like being on camera, but that's why I want to do like stunt work because I can still be in front of the camera. I can still act. I could still be a character and I could still do all that stuff. I just have to, don't have to worry about like acting against another person dramatically and like mm. that kind of stuff. Well, maybe with a little bit of training and a little bit of practice, I can get better, but uh, I prefer like mm. stunt work and that kind of, that kind of acting role a little bit more secondary or tertiary it's a way of letting go when it comes to like the emotional stuff it's a way of let you have to let go of a lot when uh, you go for the emotional acting yeah yeah it's just hard um i just again i think it just comes down to like a lack of training um i probably could get pretty decent at acting if i took like proper classes and courses and did more you know Mm -hmm. maybe theater training but um i'm much better at falling down (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so uh, the way I understand it, you identify mostly as a stunt 
yeah yeah i i would if i was to if i were to pick one role as like that's talent stunt person would be my preferred role not like lead or anything like that but my actual preferred role would be stunt coordinator or second unit director so still directing uh, and still doing stunts that's where i like to be okay so yeah so it's not the like necessarily the director of the project but you're directing mm-hmm. a part of the project yeah i would like that's to cool. do yeah like, the bigger, uh, that's a reasonable yeah. uh, thing too though like yeah. you can actually do that in the movie business yeah it to be fair it's a lot more accessible <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's true because you have a lot more people who are trying to become stars than there are people who are trying to throw punches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and that, that's the thing, too, is it kind of plays to your strong suits. I mean, you've always been obviously very athletic and just movement and using movement expressively and artistically mm-hmm. has always kind of been a part of your your core identity. Yeah, I'm real good at moving. I know do words good. that being said i think you're selling yourself short here because you know i've had the opportunity to direct you loads of times and i think you do a decent job uh you know in terms of like dramatically but i think you really do your best acting when you're improvising in my opinion that's like when doing role-playing games you know rpgs and D and all that that we've been getting into more so in recent years um like you you are a really good performer uh in any kind of nature like comedy drama mm-hmm. you know heavy emotions you name it like you can handle all that when you're in that improv environment and immersed <laughs> in a character for hours on end you know like you do you do really good i, I think i just need to join an improv troupe yeah really maybe because i was gonna say like i mean look at mr g in the final story arc of resident role play mm-hmm. right like what a journey you brought that character on oh, thank you and again yeah like the the world went gray that whole episode just ah just incredible still some of the best storytelling that i think you could find on our channel <laughs> is wound up in the final story arc of resin roleplay but yeah i mean there's that but again yeah I, I could definitely see where you might find some discomfort in not having confidence in your like a uh, vocal or performative yeah. abilities. i think it i think it is but the, i think you might be right it is just more that like i do have that that talent when it comes to improv or like spontaneous kind of interactions when it comes down to like written like hit these beats of dramatic tension or whatever just like my my ability to perform written scripts it's a little bit lacking i guess (laughs) it's all right when it comes down to like uh voice acting i I can do voice acting because you don't have to pay attention Mm. to what my body is doing because i'm like too focused on the words right yeah if you do it enough the scene you'll get there yeah that's normally how it's uh, like uh having done like a lot of dialogue scenes lately it never hits with the first try yeah the more you, you just mm-hmm. keep doing it until like you're so tired of it that's <laughs> when you normally get it yeah yeah like some of that uh sorkin dialogue oh, i remember hearing about that when they were talking about uh, doing sorkin dialogue on the social network which is directed by david fincher who famously does loads of takes mm-hmm. um and yeah i remember some of the actors talking about that it was just like yeah by the time you get to like the 60th or 70th take <laughs> it's like they don't even sound like words anymore mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and you know like it but it just becomes so ingrained in you at that point that your recitation is completely natural yeah and so that's and that's where you know Fincher was trying to get them for that film. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there is something to that uh, as well. I was uh, wondering something, <clears throat> a question for you guys. Mm. Ooh, a question. Is, um, so, you know, Machinimas, the idea of it is to make a story out of a gamer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's also the element of YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, I'd say, a difference in the people that want to make films they want to be filmmakers and the ones that want to be youtubers but mm. they all make mm. machinimas they all make story uh or somewhat story driven videos what are your guys thoughts on the difference and like one should they all be criticized the same so i've actually mm. been thinking about this a little bit recently because Ooh. i've been well in a different kind of environment, film school, proper education 
film school, like right, because uh, I've been uh, with my partner going to her 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 film school. A lot of film students who are learning and all this other stuff over in Australia. Yeah, over in Australia. For clarity, TAFE <laughs> apparently never heard of TAFE. Yeah, before, TAFE is what they call it. It's a, I think it's the equivalent of like a community college. But doing film school stuff, I've realized there's a difference between creators and people who create. There's mm-hmm. people who like. Obviously, we, we talked about this a lot, Raph, you and I, just people who just have like storytelling in their bones, people who just need to tell stories, right? In whatever medium it is, it could be like film, painting, writing, anything like that. There are just people who have stories inside of them that, that they need to get out. And then there are others who saw other people do it and say, that's really cool. I would like to do that. And uh-huh. they do the process of telling their stories. They do the process of making that art, but they're not at heart creators. They're not at heart like, I don't want to say they're not artistic because that's not giving them the credit like for making art. If you make art, you are artistic. But they're not like uh-huh. creators by identity. Uh-huh. Mm. I mean, right. I think they can have identity with their take, though. It's just, it's like yeah. doing a cover. Like uh, somebody can give a song a whole new life Yeah, by taking mm. their take on it. But there's like... Um, I get what you're saying too, though, because there are people that just want to make that again. They they like that because mm-hmm. so therefore they want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I was gonna say too. Yeah, you're talking specifically. You know, when you bring it into the online context of, you know, basically people who are doing machinima because they aspire to be filmmakers or because they aspire to be content creators. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. are very definitely. Even though they do the same kind of thing, different those are definitely very different. Yeah, different mentalities, mm-hmm. and I think they're both they're both fair, and they can both be uh, career paths in a sense. Yeah, it depends on which one you want to go for, really. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I, I definitely hear your point, though, uh, Lauren. And I think, yeah, very much so. I think, as somebody who's been kind of been on this journey myself. When I first started out doing YouTube with the old channel that I referenced earlier, um, back when I was in my my adolescent years, that was very much me trying to be a content creator, right? Trying to make the YouTuber thing work. Um, mm-hmm. And I found that very unfulfilling because I think by the end of that journey, I kind of realized that I was less of a content creator and more of an artist. Mm-hmm. And I think it took that whole uh, those all those years and going through a whole lot of stuff in life to finally come to terms with that. But I think there are a lot of people who would pursue that path and would be perfectly contented in it, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, and but again, the the motivations it really just makes a difference in what your intentions are. And I think author intentions do play a role. You're asking like about whether they should be criticize similarly and i think author intentions make a big difference in how you should view a work as an audience member because yeah if someone's making something for entertainment um or you know commercially like to make a make it a a product that is a very different mindset versus approaching it um to try and make something artistically or Mm -hmm. you know something that has uh sort of literary value so to speak those are very different intentions and i think as audience members i think it's it's key to discern those different intentions in terms of how you how you approach it and how you critique it or how you look at it because yeah those those are such such different intentions and both can be good in their in their own different ways but again that's just part of part of the process that we often talk about of just like viewing things and in taking things in critically mm-hmm. of understanding you know what that difference is yeah understanding the context of why the piece was created and yeah for sure for sure but like i said they both have their merits neither one's a bad path it's just some are for different you know there are different paths for different kinds of mm-hmm. people but then there's also the fact that uh, one of them one of them is working with the platform more so than the other yeah yeah for sure but like the youtuber works for youtube mm-hmm. while the filmmaker doesn't necessarily work for youtube it yeah. can but but like the idea of the youtuber is to make videos that will work yeah like mm-hmm. they will function well like all shorter videos do them often be consistent blah 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 uh work mm-hmm. with um 
uh, things that are popular, things that people mm-hmm. will watch. Well, f- filmmakers mm, yeah, tie into known IPs. Yeah, filmmakers. Uh, so what is more? Yeah, filmmakers. Let's call them that. Want, for example, want to make original content or like stuff that uh, mm-hmm. aren't known IP, stuff that people won't necessarily search. Yeah, <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, they won't get all that traffic, and they won't be active. They won't have constant uh, videos to give into the algorithm. Yeah. So yeah, like in some ways, the the YouTuber, the content creator YouTuber, on the surface appears more successful because of. Because that's the system that they're within. That's the system that they're using and they're utilizing. So, like, you have the two mm-hmm. kinds of machine animators, the filmmaker and the YouTuber. The YouTuber will appear, at least on the surface, much more successful because they're playing into that. Because they're playing into the success definition of YouTube. Like, when YouTube says this, you're successful, this is what you have to do, they do that. The filmmaker is, yeah, like you are saying, like, they don't have searchable, like, you know, they don't have search engine optimized content like they're not using things that everybody's like watching right now they're not staying with the trend but they're making art that is personal and deep and in in many ways kind of not built for the youtube algorithm and Mm -hmm. and on the surface it seems like oh yeah they're not doing too well but they're building that they're building that body of work i I guess what uh the thing that i've always had to uh, ask myself because like, do I really want like the tons of views and uh, yeah, all the subscribers and stuff like that? Like, because like then I have to do all this other stuff I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. But is me making these original stories, the these writing these characters, is mm-hmm. me telling the story worth not getting the attention? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's a balance that I think everybody has to strike creatively. You know, anybody who's in any sort of creative field, you always have to strike that balance between doing what you want to do versus doing what's commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Because what's commercial may not, I mean, for some people, you know, you may be such a person where what you really genuinely deep down in your heart want to do creatively is also very lucrative. It happens. It happens. Some people are born George Lucas, you know, (laughs) like... I remember David Lynch once uh, saying that <laughs> David Lynch once said of George Lucas is like, you know, I have a lot of respect for George Lucas because like me, you know, he does. He, he makes the kind of films that he enjoys. The difference between us is that the, uh, the films he wants to make also happen to make billions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like so th- that happens sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, like you constantly have to strike that balance if you're in a creative field in terms of, yeah, doing what's commercial versus what you really truly want to do because the two won't always align and sometimes you have to you know if you want to make your living at it you might have to sell your soul a bit and you might have to make some compromises creatively but you know if you stick to you know just trying to do exclusively what you want to do you know you might not get as far but you'll get another different kind of fulfillment Mm -hmm. you know which can be a success by another definition you have to define your own your own success terms exactly yeah or you could do stuff like, I think like people, there are some people in the industry, like say the Russo brothers, for example, that I think that have uh, struck that balance in an interesting sort of way. And I think there are other examples, but the Russos are just the ones that come to mind right now for me, where they did their whole contract with Marvel and made a bunch of huge blockbuster films, some of the highest grossing films ever made. And then what happened after their contract ended? Now they're taking all that success and turning it into a whole lot of like, projects that you could tell that they were just really passionate about and have really wanted to do because now what do you do after that amount of success just getting handed to you you can basically do whatever you want Mm -hmm. from there and they're doing very they've done very interesting films a very interesting slate of films since leaving marvel i mean as soon as they as uh directors became like a name to sell yeah that's when they could do something yeah, and now they're doing interesting stuff. Um, and obviously, yeah, it's all very, it's, a lot of it is still very uh, commercial, yes. But it's like you can tell they're not, they, by virtue of the fact that it's not similar to what they did before, that it's probably more in line with, with what they've been wanting to do with yeah. films. And you hear them talk, too. It's, yeah, they very much clearly have a passion for film in general and, and what it's capable of as a storytelling medium. Mm-hmm. So. It's like there, that's a balance you could strike, though. You just have to sacrifice like five, ten years of your life or whatever it took yeah. for them to do their whole contract. But the, afterwards, they were free to do at a much larger scale than before 
the films that they really wanted to do. Because <laughs> especially within the industry, like once you get to a certain amount of, once you've acu- accumulated a certain amount of power and you've made those sacrifices and you've worked for somebody else, once you've accum- accumulated that amount of power to be able to say like, I can do my own thing, you can start to, you can start to do, or rather you can start to make less sacrifices as you move forward in your career, as opposed to when at the beginning, you're just completely sacrificing all of your individuality and all of your creative freedom and just saying, all right, I'm going to do what the studio tells me to do. You get to a point where you can say, well, actually I want to have these elements in and the studios can start saying, okay, we'll accept your pitch instead of giving you something that we wanted. Now we'll start making sacrifices and start trying to say, you know, we want this bit in your, in your movies. It starts to flip around and you get, you get to have more control where at the beginning you don't have really any, it depends. You, you, you don't have too much individual creative control and then you can start to turn that around and you know start to do your own thing but still within the system ideally it takes a long time to get there and it very rarely happens but that's the hope right that's the that's the american dream that's the the hollywood dream (laughs) is to be able to say this is what i want to do can i ask then for you guys new season did you guys consider do working with youtube for it or are you guys going creative uh for uh you're saying for a dance season two yeah have you have you guys considered even like thinking of how youtube works when making the series or did you guys just go for the story so for us story is always number one Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, which is why well why it's taken so long to do this to begin with you know obviously because even though the first season wasn't like a huge viral success it was still one of the most viewed things we'd done to that point. Uh-huh. Um, and if we really wanted to capitalize on that, we would have done a second season immediately. But the problem was, I guess we just weren't ready for that. And also we designed it to begin with to be just a one-off, closed, beginning, middle, end story. However, did, shortly after, we did have more ideas, and that's what eventually evolved into this second season. However, we were like, okay, we don't really want to do that unless... We think we're ready for it, and we think, you know, we could we could execute on the promise of what that should be. And so, yeah, really, if we were chasing that success hard, we probably would have done it a lot sooner. Because uh-huh. um, by now, like, probably a lot of people have forgotten about Edenith, who might have once seen it. Although it still shocks me every time I come across people in throughout the Machinima Hub who tell me that they've been influenced by it. I'm like, whoa, I didn't realize <laughs> just it, it, how much of an influence it came out at people. a good time. You know, it was like right, yeah. right before the start of um, the Machinima Hub, the, the Machinima yeah. community was starting to gather. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, and I remember. I remember you seeing it. That I don't know if we've told this story publicly of how we first met. <laughs> when that was way back in the day, you did a review of it on your channel. And then we saw that and we we're like, whoa, somebody reviewed our show. Wait, was that before I knew you guys? Yeah. Yeah, that was how we first met. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was, that was way back in the day. Way back in the day. That, but that's the thing. I guess. I guess for us, it's... Obviously, we've learned a lot more about how to optimize stuff for YouTube as best we can since, you know, we did the first season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know, we know how, to, uh, how to generally make it as, as viewable, whether through th- thumbnails or metadata and all that, as, as uh, available as it can be for what it is. Mm-hmm. However, um, that's still, you know, you can't change the fact that it is still like an original uh, IP, it is still, you know, something that doesn't necessarily have a mainstream attention grabber. So we'll, you know, we, we optimize the best we can, but it's by no means our biggest priority. Mm-hmm. Um, our biggest priority is always first and foremost to tell a good story. And so that's what we hope we'll be able to do. I mean, I think the one thing we can do when working on creative uh, content is always at least try to nail the title and thumbnail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think pretty much that is the one thing we can try our best to work with YouTube on. Yeah. 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 Like I have swallowed so much pride on thumbnails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a good way of putting yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because like it's not the thumbnail I would have wanted to have, but it's the one that YouTube would want me to have. It's more clickable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, yeah, very sure. often we like 
I think like we would want to have like something more similar to a poster. Yeah. For a thumbnail, mm-hmm. but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. All right, so we'd best be winding this down, but this conversation took a lot of interesting turns that I wasn't entirely expecting. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was a great discussion. But I did have one last question for you then before we wind down. Sure. So for, uh, you know, we've talked about sort of your roots and where you come from and how you've sort of gotten into things creatively. Uh, Where now do you see the future of TSC Studios going? Um, you've talked a little bit about projects you're currently working on, but yeah, generally speaking, what is your sort of vision right now of your uh, your creative future there, or maybe with yourself in general and other projects? Well, so my first and foremost goal now is I have four weeks to finish filming most of the live action project, which mm-hmm. is going to be difficult, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, because like I moved to a school on the 17th, no, the 16th of August. And um, then it's going to be difficult for me to continue filming. But I can, if I must. Mm-hmm. I will drive home three, four hours to oh, wow. finish filming mm-hmm. in the weekends. But uh, hopefully we manage to do the most important bits uh, before then. And uh, yeah, so then I can edit in peace while I'm in school and stuff like that. And I also, uh, I, because of the live action project, I kind of halted a little bit on the other machinima project, which is uh, the tribunal, the conclusion to the tribunal storyline, which is, I stormed through a lot of the first and second act, like really quickly. Mm-hmm. I got it done in no time. But then the third act hit me. <laughs> and that was difficult. <laughs> so I'm still working hard on that one. Uh, but I am towards the finish line on that film. Uh, and it's going to be big. And I'm excited for people to see it. And then we have other big projects planned. Uh, I know there's a one short film. And mm-hmm. then another big one. And then we have a whole series of movies tied together after that. Mm-hmm. Which Ooh. are a big project <laughs> in itself. But I think that will... if if I even get that far, those will be my last Machinima projects, I think, at least main ones. Mm. Because I, mm. I do want to continue doing maybe more live action stuff or something like that. Mm-hmm. Other platforms than Machinimas. Because I, I'm feeling about ready to move on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's great that you could recognize that when you feel like you've, you've done enough. Yeah, um, I've done a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have done a lot. That's for sure. You're you're probably one of the more prolific <laughs> machinima creators <laughs> that I know. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah. Again, seeing your journey over these years as a creator, as a filmmaker, as a machinimator, and seeing you kind of come up with a consistent increase in quality project after project and your continued passion it is really an inspiration to me and it it really has been a pleasure to to work with you on the occasions that we have and Mm -hmm. to have you work with us on a few occasions it's just yeah it's been really cool i always enjoy working with you guys there's a reason why i keep dragging you guys into things (laughs) (laughs) oh i believe you (laughs) all right well anything you want to plug uh before we sign off then where can people find you well, mostly on TSC Studio, we um, have our Discord, TSC Universe, where I try to um, uh, share everything. Uh, uh, if anyone would have at all be interested, we do share some behind-the-scenes stuff on the Patreon, the, twi- the Twitter, our Instagram, our TikTok. We have a lot of different platforms. <laughs> I'm realizing now, like, yeah, oh, dad a- and dad and dad. Do you have a centralized place that maybe has all of them linked? Can they find them all from your YouTube channel or...? TSC Universe Discord. That's where you find okay. everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we'll be sure to link that then too in the notes. Okay, thank you. I <laughs> appreciate it. Well, it's been fun, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's been a ton of fun. Thank you so much for uh, coming on as a guest, and uh, it was a pleasure talking with you. So we're going to go ahead and wind down this recording. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, this has been the Hypercube Podcast. This show is edited by Lauren Pacheco. Mixed by Rafael Pacheco with original theme music by Mono Memory. Our special guest this week has been 
Breiker of TSC Studios. Be sure to check him out. Until next time, we'll see you all later. God bless. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I love the show.